before the first day of intern year. And I always just say like, did you feel ready then? No, but you were forced to go in and then you came out on the other side like an awesome doctor. So this is like the same thing, but much lower stakes actually, because uh, there's not like lives on the line. Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage and Money podcast the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Hello, friends. Please help me welcome our guests on today's show of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Jordan Fry and his wife, Dr. Selenide Gonzalez Fry. These two are an absolute power couple. They met in medical school where they entered survival mode together for the next 11 years. During Jordan's last few months of plastic surgery fellowship, this past April, and Selenide's last few months of her PhD program, they realized they needed to take control of their financial life. And they are here today to tell us a little bit about what that looked like and how you can achieve it too. And when I said April, I meant this past April, 2020. So welcome, Jordan and Selenide. <laughs> thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. Well, before we dive into your story, your super fascinating, accelerated story, <laughs> asking you to what I ask all my guests, either to start or end, what is your definition of marital interdependence? Or in other words, what makes a successful marriage? That's I'll, a very good yeah, question. I'll let you take the first crack. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> um, well, I think it's that we're partners in all things. Um, mm -hmm. We're on the same page when it comes to both of our careers, when it comes to parenting, uh, time management, the things that we want to value and spend more time on. We both kind of talk about it and we make sure that we're partners. And that means that we value each other's wants and needs. Um, and what makes our marriage successful is that we have good communication. For me, Jordan is my safe space and I do feel comfortable being vulnerable around him. So I can talk to him about my feelings and what I want to do and what I, what my goals are. And I know that he's going to be open and approachable to that and that he's going to support me, even if it's something different than what he thinks or may want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think like dovetailing off of that, like good conflict revolution or resolution is like really important in that because like we are on the same page, but I guess we finish on the same page. We don't always like start on the same page. And like in 11 years that we've been together, like there's a lot of serious things and big decisions and stuff that we've had to go through. And you know, we've kind of learned how to do that and both get to a place where we're both happy. Like even just um, like a few months ago, the decision to move, you know, we were both finishing our training and both had to find like jobs, like real jobs for the first time. Real jobs. And so figuring out where to move and we ended up moving to Buffalo, which is my hometown, but there's obviously, you know, a lot that goes into that decision and it, it wasn't easy. It was like a long time making that decision, but we really thought about it and I think we both ended up super happy. I agree with that. I love it. Okay. So being, being able to be vulnerable 
and knowing that he was going to be open and approachable. That is super special because not all relationships, even though you assume that should be there, right? That's, that's kind of hard to just get to. And then um, I liked how you said, Jordan, you don't always start on the same page, but you finish on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something we're really good at. I agree. And we work at it. Yeah. 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 It's definitely work. Yep. A work in progress. So tell tell me about the first time you two met and how this changed the trajectory of your life. So we met at the beginning of our first year of medical school. So Mm -hmm. I did go to medical school for one year and it was at the University of Rochester. I'd been there for undergrad all the way from Miami and Jordan was coming back from Western to Western New York from Emory. Mm -hmm. Um, And we met during orientation, just walking across the street. He was introduced to me and I knew instantly that I liked Jordan and I had to get to know him better. It was just this weird thing that it's almost ineffable. I just knew that there was something special. And I, I mean, I liked her a lot right off the bat too, but I tend to be more like reserved and introverted. And and so I got to know her more and more and more and like, obviously really liked her a lot and then sort of worked up the courage to, to ask her out on like her first pseudo date, which happened to be on Valentine's day. Which we didn't know. Yeah. But obviously it was irresistible because I set up such amazing plans for her to come to my apartment and watch the NBA all-star game (laughs) like and order food, which Obviously, who would turn that down? I mean, come on. But, but you know, from that point on. Is that something Selenite is into, MBA? I don't think so, well, particularly. He, the Miami Heat were playing. So I think he thought since I was from Miami, I would be very into that. And I certainly just played it off. And I was like, sure. Yeah, I think she was like, oh, yeah, that sounds great. But, <laughs> but after that, it, it moved, you know, pretty quickly. We knew pretty pretty early on that we were, you know, kind of meant for each other. Yeah. And why did you two fall in love? Well, like, (laughs) there's like the obvious stuff. I mean, like, she's beautiful and smart and funny and, you know, loving and stuff. But I had never really, like, met anyone as, I don't want to say, like, motivated or driven as Selene. And that's something, like, that I like to think I am as well. But, like, I found her like pushing me more and challenging me more. And I never really met anyone like that. And that, you know, that's really a big part of what made me fall in love with you. Oh, that's very sweet. (laughs) I like to hear that. Um, I mean the same, of course I found Jordan very handsome, but I also really liked your ethic and drive. Like he goes into this incredible work mode and he gets it done. And I, I just thought that was interesting and fascinating. You're incredibly smart and caring and he really took an interest in what I loved and my interest. And, you know, he would always ask me questions about my my background, what I wanted to achieve. And he always made me feel like I could do all of those things. And for me, I just knew that I wanted that for the rest of my life. I knew I wanted someone who was going to champion me and be my biggest cheerleader. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, that's and, and so this was all during med school, like the first year of med school. This was all during med school, like yeah. The first few months, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then, Selene, tell me a little bit about your decision to – you said you did the first year of medical school. And then – so how did your decision to leave affect your relationship, not only with yourself but also with Jordan? Yes, definitely a big decision for me and for everybody. And I think, you know, it was it was sort of shocking too to, to my family. I had actually been – 
accepted into medical school straight out of high school. So I did what was called a REMS program. So it was this trajectory that that's what I was going to do. I went to undergrad knowing you were going to the medical school there and, you know, I didn't have to take the MCATs or anything. And so I didn't really have a lot of that. Okay. I just finished my undergrad. What do I want to be in this world? Because my trajectory was mapped out and because of me and, you know, that's what I wanted. But after my first year of medical school, I had a scholarship that was on deferment, which was a scholarship to get an a degree in education. And so I thought, you know what, let me try this out. I, I want to see if this is something that I, I like. And it was very empowering for me to know that I wanted to try something and I felt the courage to change and try it. And that like just manifesting that and having the courage to do that was a big lesson for me. After I had my first experience in a classroom teaching I knew in that instant that was what I was meant to do for the rest of my life. And I mean, I just continued. That was it. Yeah. And there was no question. That's what I wanted to do. And I was able to marry my love for education and my love for science and doing my PhD and, and research in that. And I think that that decision made my relationship with Jordan stronger because he always had unwavering support for me. He never questioned that. He knew what it meant to me, and he always encouraged me um, with my applications, with interviewing, looking up schools that I might be interested in. And we made it a priority at that point to stay physically together. So wherever I would end up, I wanted to make sure that we physically would be able to still be in the same town. Um, we ended up moving in together um, because I, I didn't want to be away from him. And so that helped yeah. a lot, I would say. Yeah, and I think that's like one of those like sort of not that it was like a conflict resolution because it, it never really like affected our relationship at its core, but there were like a lot of logistics to figure out. And this was all within, you know, the first year of us being together. And so sort of going through that together, I think just made it like you said, stronger. Yeah. We knew we were planning our lives together. It wasn't, you know, we weren't separate in that. Um, but in doing that, we had to make sure that we prioritize each of our goals as well. Okay. Oh, and so when you say you had a scholarship on deferment, okay. So does that mean, in, and then you went straight into this medical school program out of high schools. Did you do four years of undergrad? I did. Yes. And then how did you get that scholarship? And um... Right. So it was a scholarship that paid for all of my undergrad and would continue to pay for my um, master's or doctorate degree if it was in a certain field, so like such as the field as education. So since I wasn't going into education, I, instead of not accepting the scholarship for higher education, I put it on deferment for a year, which was allowed. And before the year was up, I took a leave from medical school and I decided to apply for a degree in education. And so I just tell the scholarship program I was interested in going back and they, they funded my two master's degree and my um, part of my PhD. So, wow. Yes, yeah. it was great. And that helped to lower our student debt. <laughs> well, yeah. So everyone knows like all of the debt is mine. Yeah. <laughs> she has none. <laughs> yeah. That was a big financial help on your part, right? It did help, <laughs> which is not why we did it, but yeah. it did help. <laughs> okay. And then tell me a little bit about who handled the finances for the first Okay. Did you have you told me when you guys actually got married? Then when did you get married? We got married in 2016, test. right? Yes. Yeah, 2016. So where were you in medical school? No. So I was, it was during my third year of residency. And so your second year of your PhD. Yep. Yeah. 
Okay. But you were already like really supportive and with each other. Yeah. Yeah. So who handled your finances for, um, when you started, when you moved in together and then during your first several years of marriage? Yeah. We both did in different ways. And, and like when I say handled, like we both kind of mishandled it in, the, in the, together. Um, but like for me, I know I was always like very cognizant of finances, but I also had a very like kind of fearful, fearful relationship with like money and finances, like from when I was younger and going through my parents' divorce and kind of feeling financially stable and then sort of like very financially unstable and not wanting to deal with that. So, you know, I would sort of have like big reactions to money. Like if I would check and our account was much lower than I thought or something, I'd be like, oh my gosh, how are we going to deal with this? And suddenly it was like a lot more calm and sort of like able to manage it in that way. I don't know. You agree with that? I I do. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I was from a single family home. You know, it was just me and my mom and it wasn't always financially stable. We always did the best we could, but I think I had a little more experience with, it's going to be okay. We can figure this out. There's ways to make sure that we have what we need and we're not alone in this. We have a supportive family. So I was a little more level-headed, but you know, we looked at the finances together. We budgeted together, um, but we weren't saving or anything. Yeah. Like like our, our mistakes were, you know, we were just like spending up to our paycheck because that's what we just kind of thought that we did. I have huge amounts of loans. Like I still have over $400,000 of loans, but I deferred them for all seven years of training rather than contributing to them um, and possibly going for forgiveness or at least paying them down. Um, And a lot of that just out of, again, sort of being like so scared of the mistakes that I was making that I sort of avoided the the subject as a whole. Um, And that was especially in the beginning. Then, you know, we had two kids while we were living in New York City as I was a resident and suddenly was in a PhD program. So at that point, it became, you know, we were spending up to our paycheck, but like two thirds of that was going to rent and childcare and then the rest towards just sort of surviving. So we were, we were again, like, you know, responsible in the sense that we were taking care of what we needed to, but we really hadn't thought in the long term at all at that point. Ah, okay. And so then when did that light bulb go off that something needed to change? I mean, you guys really snapped into something. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of like, towards the end of my residency and like, yeah, it was like April of 2020, like around there. And it was basically just because. Let me point this out because we keep talking about this like it was years ago, but like the end of your residency was only how many months ago? Uh, like three, three and a half months ago. Yeah. <laughs> Not that long. <laughs> Not that long ago. <laughs> You've had multiple appearances on podcasts and in all the Facebook groups commenting on what, you know, financial helps. Okay. Let's just, Okay, so back to the light bulb going on. Yeah, it was, I wish I could, I had some like thing to attribute it to, but it was just kind of like a culmination of a lot of things where like I had just sort of assumed like, oh, at the end of my training and when I'm becoming an attending, like finances will all sort of work itself out. And then I was really like frustrated and kind of like disillusioned that that wasn't the case, you know, for so long people like my family or friends would just be like, oh, you know, you're going to be plastic surgeon, like you'll be fine. And then I was like, well, I guess that's the case, but like, I don't know. I have like half a million dollars of debt and like, don't really know what I'm doing. Um, and, and then also, you know, I was finding that, you know, it was a long training and it was a tough training and I, I loved it, but it was also, you know, 
something that contributed to my burnout. And I realized that, you know, once I realized this in retrospect, but once we did have a financial plan, I found like that I was really enjoying what I was doing a lot more and able to focus more on it because I wasn't so worried about that other stuff. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of where it started. Yeah. I mean, it, it, we knew it was going to be a big transition. We'd been on a number of second looks for new for his new jobs. We'd been negotiating contracts and we just realized we need to do this right. We need to yeah. make sure that when we start this new life, you know, that we do it the right way and that we set ourselves up for success. And that meant everything. That meant finances, finding the right home, finding the right place for our kids, me finding the right job. And finances couldn't take the backseat anymore. It needed to be something that yeah. we actively worked on. Yeah. We needed to finally like take control of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause instead of like avoiding it or resisting that the unknown, it's like, okay. And then you mentioned um, burnout. Okay. Let's talk about that. Were you burnt out in residency? <sighs> yeah. I mean, I would put it somewhere on that spectrum for sure. I don't think I realized it at the time. Um, but there certainly were times where, you know, I kind of would sit back and be like, you know, okay, I I have to really think to kind of remember why I'm doing this or why I love this, you know, like I still like currently and, you know, throughout my training, I've said like plastic surgery is like what I was meant to do. I do like reconstructive microsurgery and I love it. I think it's like so interesting and I'm so fulfilled by doing it and helping the patients. But there's a time where I kind of like forgot that. And I think a big part of that was because of, you know, feeling that maybe this wasn't what I expected when I got in. And certainly that I was seeing that I I was projecting that when I got done with my training, that I wouldn't be able to practice in the way that I wanted to or have that control in the way I wanted to, which was totally just a mindset thing. Like that was a poor mindset and just shifting that has helped immensely. And now I find myself after training feeling like totally the opposite but yeah, I, I would say definitely some feelings of burnout and training. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Jordan comes home often and says, I love my job. Like we made such a great decision. He's so happy and satisfied and ha- seeing him feel that way. So recent out of residency, I mm-hmm. think it's incredible and it gives me a lot of joy. Yeah. Thanks. Mm-hmm. That it's not just you. I think there are a lot of residents out there, residents and fellows who are already burnt out, you know, and they're not even finished with training. Like I see it. In my institution, it's like, where do they go? Where do they turn? Are we helping them? Are we giving them some kind of a source of an outlet, right? Just it, when we're medical students, we're like super exciting, you know, excited, and we're going to help people. We're going to change the world. And then we get stuck in it and like, okay, I'm going to have to only, I can only do this, this, and that, you know, being a doctor is not what I thought it was going to be. And until you kind of regain your sense, your purpose, or change your mindset, hey, what, reminding yourself why you're there. It's not just, oh, how many hours am I putting in? When am I going to be able to get home? You can kind of turn yourself around. And I think especially with your uh, focus on finance, right, and gaining that financial freedom, you can choose what you want to do and who you want to help. And Yeah, absolutely. And that's been such a huge shift for us. So like I said, it was even just having a plan, like having something where we were like, okay, we know it's going to take a while. You know, there's no like, you know, get rich quick scheme or something where it's all going to change tomorrow, but we have this plan. And now all we have to do is follow it. Like that's such a freeing thing. Then you, you, that sort of anxiety that 
was definitely following me around of, of like, you know, trying to make sure I figured it all out that that sort of went away. Yeah. And I love how you, you actually took the approach to gain, uh, to learn about finances before you graduated. Because as you said, you know, people all surrounding you were saying, Hey, you're going to be a doctor. You're going to be a plastic surgeon. You're going to make money. You're going to be able to make this work. But you're like, okay, no, it's April. It's a couple months before I graduate. I am going to refocus instead of waiting, right? Because a lot of people just wait. And then there's that survival fallacy like, oh, we're here. We arrived. Life is going to be all rainbows and sunshines, right? Yeah, no, totally. And it's like, I say it all the time. I'm so glad that we did do that when we did. And like, you know, that sort of happened that way. Because if we didn't, we would have totally just again, like spent up to our paycheck and not spent intentionally and, and made, made even more, more mistakes. mistakes. Yeah. Like I know before we even started, like, you know, I had started to look into like, you know, leasing some like cars, you know, like luxury cars or whatever. And I don't even like cars, but I was just <laughs> like, this is kind of what you do. This is what you do versus this brings me joy. I mean, if it, that brought you joy, okay, right. fine. Yeah. But it like totally doesn't. And I was like, why am I doing this? You know, I ended up buying like uh, a Toyota Avalon suddenly makes fun of me, but from, from a family member for like $2,000 and it makes me so happy. It does. Cause I actually yeah. like the car. And also I know I'm not spending like $500, $600 a month on something that again is not bringing me the, the happiness, you know, that that should. So I am very glad that we kind of started our journey when we did. Yeah. Although it's never too late. It's never yeah. too late. No, exactly. Exactly. And okay, let's just back up a little bit because you guys each mentioned you come from, you know, different and unique backgrounds. Like Jordan, you came from, you saw your parents go through a divorce and Selene grew up in a single family household. So how did that affect y'all's relationship with money? Well, you start. I think <laughs> it makes us ensure that we continue to have a plan mm -hmm. and to save mm -hmm. um, and to put ourselves in a good position for our, our kids in the future. I think that we want to make sure that not only do we continue to follow our plan to make sure that we're financially independent and financially free in the more recent future, but also that we show our children a healthy relationship with money and how they need to be careful and um, not underachievers of wealth because they come from, a, you know, maybe a, a wealthier family now than than I grew up. I, I mean, I constantly think about, well, their upbringing is going to be different than mine. What? Mm -hmm. How is that going to shape them? And will that take away their hard work ethic? And that's something that we're really cognizant about. We want to make sure we foster that. I mean, growing up the way I did made me realize just how important not being in debt is and not relying on credit is because that's, that's a lot of the things that I saw growing up and that's not healthy. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know what, what yeah, you would say. No, exactly the same. I think different, like a little bit different situation that, you know, my family's kind of like middle-class, upper middle-class. And then I saw my parents go through a divorce and then each of their incomes kind of went down significantly. And so I saw like our kind of way of life really sort of changed drastically in a very short period of time because of that lack of a financial foundation. And that's what initially gave me that sort of really uneasy and like fearful relationship with money. But now again, it just sort of like shows me the importance of what we're doing. And obviously like money isn't everything, but again, it's about just like creating that sort of like well-being because that is a part of our overall well-being that I think often gets overlooked because 
people think it makes you selfish or greedy or something like that. Yeah. And I mean, I knew nothing about investing growing up. I didn't hear about it. And I think that's something that I want to make sure that I show my kids that yeah. it's not, you know, you don't have to be a financial guru to be in investing. Like this is actually kind of Pretty simple. Yeah. yeah. And then, okay. So yeah, it really significantly shaped your relationship with money, which has evolved and changed since then, which we're about to get get to. I also want to ask, you know, how did this shape your relationship with just actual relationships or marriage in general? And how are you able to like move forward, you know, in this successful marriage, not necessarily seeing that when you grew up? I think like it all started that again, like most things, you know, while we had never focused on this, we sort of like have always just been able to work together like there may be an interest of one of ours that doesn't start out as an interest of the others but we're always kind of supporting that um and in this case it was really selenied like pulled me along i have to give her all the credit for that because she started reading like the white coat investor that book and then she was like all right i'm reading it you have to read this like we have to like get this figured out. Cause I, I was even, I had the book for a year before we opened it. We had two copies, two copies <laughs> at it. Yeah. And uh, I was like, so scared of reading it. Cause I was going to be like, this is just going to make me totally confront all of the mistakes that I made and realize how bad a position I'm in. Yeah. Um, yeah. I started reading the book. I got a chapter in and I said, I basically talked about all the mistakes we were making and all the things we need to be cognizant of before we even start our, you know, or tending life or, you know, mm-hmm. my PH, my, um, my job. And I thought, okay, this is really important, but me reading it alone and distilling this back to Jordan is not going to be good. Like, I think we both need to read this. We both need to come to this understanding. And I think for us, we're very goal oriented people. We do, when we set our mind to something, we, we, there's, we're an achievement mm-hmm. because that's just the way we are. And we had set our goals on, making sure that Jordan got a job he loved, that we were in a place that we would both be happy and be able to prosper. And we did, I would say, a really great job doing that. And I thought, well, why can't we do the same thing with finances? And, you know, if we're going to buy a home or rent or all these decisions that were just kind of making me nervous, like people were talking about mortgages and I honestly didn't know the first thing about it. I was like, well, the first thing I need to do is educate myself. And once I decided that and Jordan got on board, there was no stopping us. And we have similar personalities in that way. I think that helped. Yeah. yeah. I think it like gives us now just another hobby, like another thing to do together. To bond That's over. like fun. Like we started real estate investing recently. And so it's it's been like a lot of fun to do that together and to go over things. And it's interesting because we have different like strengths and weaknesses and stuff. And so it's a lot of fun to like learn about the other person yeah. like that, like seeing <laughs> seeing Sally negotiate. She's like uh a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm learning about myself too. Yeah. <laughs> people, people listening are going to be like, you're a plastic surgeon, you know, you're a PhD, you're, you both got your jobs and your children. How do you make time to do all this? Because we, if you want to do it, then you'll find the time to do yeah. it. It's just really what it is. And I, I don't think, well, let me be honest. The first time we, we, Jordan hadn't even started his job. He was still living in New York city and I was in Buffalo and he was still a resident and we had just gotten our financial plan in place. And we, we had this plan for the next one, five, 10 years. And mm-hmm. I felt good. He comes home for a weekend and he says, you know what, what we need to do, we need to get into real estate investing. And I, the first thing I wanted to say is like, are you crazy? Like, what are you <laughs> thinking? Like we just figured out, you know, everything about investing traditionally, like you want to add another layer. And not only did he want to do that, he wanted to do that now. 
like he wanted. And so we ended up buying two homes in before yeah. he even started his first job. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. One primary residence and one investment. One investment residence. Yeah. But I think my approach when Jordan, you know, came to me and said that, although in my head I was like, are you crazy? What actually I said was, okay, tell me more. Why is this important? And he had me watch some courses. And I think he knew me well enough that once I saw that for myself, I was going to be 100% on board. And I ended up watching these mini courses. And I was like, okay, yes, we need to do it. And we need to do it well. Yeah. (laughs) I think like it's a tough thing in terms of like the time or how do you find time? Because to me, and I I think I don't want to speak for both of us, but I think for us, like it doesn't feel like we're like cramming so much in or, or like it's just kind of like you said, when you make it a priority, you sort of find the time to do it. And the best way I can, like the story I always tell people, the best way I can relate to it is like before, I'm sure anyone with a kid, including you can relate to this, but before like we had our first child and it was like, you know, coming up on cell needs due date and stuff, we're like, how the heck are we going to do this? We're already so busy and then we're going to throw a kid into this. Like we're never going to be able to find the time. And then somehow you just do. And in a few months, it's just like the new normal. And then the same thing happened with the second kid where we're like, what is going to happen? You know, we already have this one kid and we're so busy with work and doing all this stuff. And how are we going to, and then it, it just works out. So if you, if it's important enough to you, like, I mean, I feel like, you know, finding your financial foundation and achieving financial well-being and stuff should be a high priority. Um, you just find a way. And you, okay. So you mentioned your one, five and 10 year goals. You had, you had made goals. You had written down your goals before. So tell us about those. We had, in terms of like financial goals, we had like different things. Like we wanted to be, we set pretty conservative, but we wanted to be like commercial debt free in two years, which we already achieved. achieved. Um, so we were ahead of schedule on that. And we wanted to be student loan debt free in five years. And in 10 years, we wanted to be like, you know, full, like including mortgage debt free, but like, you know, net worth of, you know, seven figures above that and, and stuff like that. Um, and then professionally, like we sort of like taking it as it comes a little bit, like for me, my goal, like for five years is to, if, if I decide that I want to practice part-time that I'll be financially able to do that. And then in 10 years is like that I can truly just practice on my own terms, like, because I want to, not because I have to at all. Yeah. And that's the same for me. I mean, I I love my job and I want to stay at my job for as long as possible. But again, I want to have the choice. I don't want to have to work because I have to work, but because I love to work. So. Yeah. And then the biggest, obviously, is like the family goals, which has always been the same, but just to, you know, spend as much time with the kids and, you know, enjoying them and enjoying our life while we can. Yeah. Yeah. And then what does that look like on a day-to-day basis? What's the division of labor when it comes to like family finds, paying the bills, finding the investments, that kind of thing? Yeah. Okay. So you want to go on? No, you go. <laughs> the day-to-day. Um, so we we are partners. I think the day-to-day Jordan takes more of the lead on, you know, he'll check our finances every day because he likes to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, every month we sit down with our budget and we review what we spent and how we lined up with what we projected to do. Um, we talk about purchases that we want to make that are bigger than a certain amount. Um, we look at our debt and we figure out what we're going to pay off. Um, and then in terms of investment properties, we both actively look, um, we're both partners in that. I typically am better at finding the properties, um, and selling them. Jordan is 
typically better at running the cash on cash calculator a lot faster than I do. Then he shows me, we talk through it. And then either one of us will reach out to our agent. Mm -hmm. We'll both see the property. Um, and then Jordan's really good at working the side with the loan officers, et cetera, with the bank. And I just make sure you have all the tough conversations. Like I have all the tough conversations <laughs> with our agent and negotiating a lower price. She's good at it. And doing the due diligence. Yeah. Um, and then from there on out, when we are renting, so we're, we are self-managing right now. So talk about time management, but we really wanted to learn that aspect of it and kind of get that education firsthand. And so with renting out the apartment, I sort of take the lead on um, showing apartments and finding tenants. Jordan takes the lead on sort of the background with, we use Hemlane as our management portal. So he does, he sets all that up and the fixing ma- and, things, yeah, yeah. maintenance, et cetera. And this is with that property you said you bought? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So that's what you're managing. Wow. Okay. So, okay. A lot of financial decisions in a very short amount of time. What do you say is the smartest financial decision that you made and probably in your life, but probably I'm going to say, I'm going to guess it's probably within the past, you know, six months. Well, yeah. I mean, we already said this, but the smartest financial decision I ever made was picking up the white coat investor and reading it. That was the catalyst to all of this. Yeah. What would you say, Jordan? Listening to you <laughs> tell me to read it. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, most people probably say like, Oh, being a plastic surgeon or something, that's the best financial decision. But like, like, I realize, you know, like you can make, like if I make like a million dollars a year and I'm spending a million dollars a year, then I'm actually just living paycheck to paycheck and not, so that's definitely not it. And yeah, so I think listening to Sunny and sort of like she spurred me on that path. So many people think it's about how much you make, right? Yeah, not at all. It's about what? It's about how much you save and invest. I mean, it's about knowledge and just putting yourself in a position to say like, I will achieve what I want to achieve. I, I want to save this amount or if you're if you're looking to make money, then you know make your money work for you. There there are so many ways to go about it, and it's just not having that fear mm-hmm. and setting the mindset of I must do this, and then finding a way to do yeah. it. Mindset's so important, and I think that's also a lesson that we've learned. Yeah, this this last six months, and mm-hmm. that plays a role in our day to day. We check yeah. each other constantly when he'll say, "Well, like, why are you telling yourself that story? You know, why do you think that?" And it, it's really helpful because. Mm-hmm. I think it's like 80% of the game, the mindset, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, totally. Where did you guys get these mindset questions or how did you, cause this is not, this was just not in the white coat investor, right? Like where did you get this mindset? I, from a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Like, I think the fast fire. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, well, we took uh, Kenji and Letty's semi-retired MD course. They talk about it a lot from like a lot of books we've read, like grit and grit, um, which is a really great book. Yeah. Yeah. Just a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Because I love that question. You said, why are you telling this story to yourself? Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. definitely like... Uh, Carol Dweck has a great book on mindset. Yeah. And I know a lot of people follow Tony Robinson. So a lot of podcasts related to that talk about mindset. Yeah. But it's really just so powerful. And it can... You know, they talk a lot about limiting beliefs. And a lot of times that like, your limiting beliefs becomes a little voice in your head and mm-hmm. can really manage your actions. And if you recognize that and the feelings that come with that... And you learn to turn it around, it can be really powerful in terms of your productivity and your happiness and well-being. Yeah. That's perfect. And you guys can act as each other's coaches, it seems like. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. No, it's nice. And accountability partners. <laughs> you guys have made a lot of fast decisions to get where you are today. Um, 
So do you have any advice to those who've been delaying their investments or spending plans? You're like, oh, you know, we'll go over that next month or we'll go over that you know, in a few weeks. You know, w- you know, I'm going to be on call. I'm doing this. What advice do you have for those people out there? Or, or like the people who are like, oh, having a, this money conversation with my husband or my wife or my significant other is just going to be too hard. Yeah, I think like, again, I guess it, it points back to that. It is like mindset because, again, you're saying like, oh, it's going to be so hard. It's going to be so stressful. It's going to be challenging. And like, that's exactly what I was doing for so long before, again, suddenly just like finally picked up the book and started reading and was like, okay, we're doing this. And that's kind of what you need. You need to just jump in. Like you're never going to feel like there's a good time. That's been like the one universal thing I feel like in all the books and courses and blogs and podcasts, like there's never, you never feel ready and you just have to do that. And you have to do the thing that makes you fearful. Yeah. Do the thing you think you cannot do. Yeah. I mean, it's never too late to start. You're never too far gone. You haven't made too many mistakes that you can't turn back on. And I think the first thing is to sit together and commit to it and say, this is going to be hard. But instead of saying this is stressful, this is going to be bad. Let's say, let's be grateful that we have the ability to sit down now and talk about this and let's figure out a way to rectify our course and come to common ground. And I think thinking about it as a positive, as like, okay, this is hard. This is a starting point, but you just got to do it once. And Mm -hmm. then you're on the right track. Yeah. can be kind of a powerful feeling. Yeah, totally. And like looking for us, again, I was so fearful of looking at my mistakes that for seven years in training, I just totally actively ignored them, like actively ignored them. And, um, I thought it was going to be terrible, but actually I felt like it was really kind of a relief and freeing because then once I did that, then again, like there's only two steps. You make a plan and then follow the plan. And it may be years or, you know, for all of us, it's always an ongoing process. So it's not immediate reward, but you sort of know, like, as long as I'm on the plan and the plan gets me to where I want to go, then I'm fine. And, And that's such a freeing feeling. And to be honest, I mean, it, it wasn't as easy as we say, you know, it, for us, it took a reading and there were a lot of content, like uncomfortable conversations yeah. we had. And sometimes yeah. we got upset with each other because we were on different pages, but that's part of it. And it's about having a conversation. And I think for us, we always knew that at the end we would come together and there was nothing that could happen to break us apart or yeah. cause us to be angry forever. It was just kind of, this is part of the process. Let's be safe with each other. Let's talk about it. Let's come back to it if we need to. But the end result is we're going to come up with these goals that we both want. And then we're going to come up with a roadmap that we both agree on. And then it just felt good from there. Oh, my gosh. I love it, you guys. Okay. I love how you simplified this, Jordan. All there is only two steps. One. Two, follow the plan. No, we're normal people. You guys get upset at each other. You guys probably have arguments too, right? That's part of the process. Not make too many mistakes without like being able to go back and look at those. Like that's part of the process. And and you said you will never feel ready. Just do the thing you think you can't do. Just do it. And I love how you're like, okay, I'm so fearful. I was so fearful looking at all these mistakes that I've been making for the past several years. But then once you looked at them, you weren't even scared anymore. You felt relief. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I try to like really tell people or like I always will share like my exact numbers of and like exact mistakes and stuff. Cause at least that I've talked to, like pretty much every other doctor is sort of starting from a point that's not quite as bad as where I was. 
And so it's sort of like, okay, if, if we can do it, like you definitely can. So it's that's true. definitely He's, words of encouragement. Yeah, he for has shared everything on his blog. <laughs> Everything's there. I was like, okay. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, where, yeah. So where can people find you guys? Uh, yeah. So my blog's uh, www.prudentplasticsurgeon.com. And um, you can reach me via email at any time at prudentplasticsurgeon at gmail.com. And there's a lot of selenite in that as well. She's definitely a lot behind the scenes. And like we, we wrote a post together about sort of a, a guide to help people get on the same page financially. So it's a lot of, it's definitely a work of both of us. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And you, you established, you founded this blog when? It was in, uh, it was in June. Yeah. I was still in New York staying with Selenid's aunt in Brooklyn and they were here already living in Buffalo in our house. And I decided that I wanted to start it to try and, you know, I, I felt like what I had gone through was so transformative and I wanted to help other people to do that. So I just wanted to sort of, like I said, share my story and show that like, if I can do it, there's nothing special about me and, you know, we all can do it and we all can be better for it. Yeah. And what I like about his blog is like, I'm not writing about, I got it all figured out. Everything's rosy and perfect, but rather I'm still figuring it out. And this is the journey that I'm on. Yeah, definitely still figuring it out. I mean, yeah, you just started right in April, 2020. You started your blog in June, 2020. Um, we're recording this in November, 2020, although it might not get published for a few months, but that's okay. Um, but look at his blog. He's already super active. He's everywhere. Selenid and Jordan are just making things happen and any big take-home points for our audience today anything we didn't cover or maybe we did cover but you just want to emphasize i guess in terms of finances it's so important to end up on the same page you may not start on it but with work you can be on the same page in that you will feel relief going back and looking at maybe the mistakes you made it sounds counterintuitive but it will help take the burden off your shoulders yeah and i think like we kind of said all along just get started and it is scary and like this is you know marriage money and medicine so we all remember or most of the listeners are going to remember like before the first day of intern year and I always just say like did you feel ready then no but you were forced to go in and then you came out on the other side like an awesome doctor so this is like the same thing but much lower stakes actually because uh, there's not like lives on the line but <laughs> you'll you you know just if you get started there's going to be you know bumps along the path but you're going to be successful i love it thank you two so much for coming on my show today thank you thanks for having us yeah it was was awesome a lot of fun So fabulous. Thank you again so much, Drs. Jordan and Selenide, for coming on my show. Such a pleasure to have you on. And so the three big take-home points from Jordan and Selenide. Number one, when it comes to you and your spouse, do not hesitate to prioritize each other's goals and passions. Don't hesitate. It will only strengthen your marriage. I know about this, guys. It happened to me. Uh, When we had our first child, we we still did real estate, okay? But Victor's passion for teaching and doing his daily Facebook lives kind of kind of fizzled out. And, And I actually take ownership for part of that because I had this sense that once we had a child, you know, he had to help me out every night with taking care of the baby and he had to do this. And I, I, I probably had a lot of expectations back then. Now realizing that we can 
only strengthen our marriage by supporting each other's passions, I know that giving him time, and him being my, my husband, Victor, giving him time to teach, to talk about what he's passionate about on a at least weekly, if not nightly basis. And, and you know, it's not the whole night, but if I give him that half hour, hour of time, it helps us all. It helps our babies. It helps our relationships. And, and the same thing with him. He gives me time too to record, record this. Do not, do not hesitate to prioritize each other's goals and passions. Number two, when your spouse comes to you with what you think is a crazy idea, i.e. investing in real estate or running an Airbnb in your own home while you're still living there or moving out to be in a hotel on the weekends, uh, what would you say? Are you crazy? Or would you say, hmm, tell me more. Well, doctors Jordan and Selenid suggest trying out the latter for loving relationship reasons. Try it out, friends. Get curious. Unless you are looking for severe consequences, go ahead and get curious before crushing dreams and killing all the sparks. And number three, having one, five, and 10-year goals can help your marriage and your mindset. A Jordan and Selene have their goals of Number one, being commercially debt free. Number two, I mean, or after a five year, five years, being student loan debt free. Number after 10 years, being financially free and in even more, right? And those not might not be your goals. Yours might be slightly different, but just have them sit down, have a quick discussion or a long discussion, write down your goals. It, It doesn't mean they're set in stone, but it gets you in the right mindset, which is so important. Mindset, again, like the, the question we, we brought up at the end of this podcast, why am I telling myself this story? We're asking your spouse, why are you telling yourself that story? You know, and, and come from a loving place. Of course, we don't want to to uh, make our spouse upset, but it's probably actually more important for you to ask yourself, okay, why am I telling myself this story? Remember, this is not a natural question for most of us to ask on a daily basis. Most of us are reaching out to our friends, to our family to validate right our, our thoughts or say, well, you know, rationalize. But what, you know, what if that's not, what if that's not everybody's story? What if that's not a fact? What if that's not the truth? And, and what have you pushed yourself to believe something different? You know, maybe not every thought, but some of your thoughts. So work on asking yourself this question daily about all of your thoughts, I promise this will be a game changer. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Medicine, Marriage, and Money. It is such a pleasure to have you guys. I really appreciate all of your loving messages. I I have received several messages um, from the past episode. Everybody loves Dr. Sunny Smith. And of course, and they love that episode. It was so touching and moving. So thank you so much. Please share with any of your friends and family. Subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, So much appreciated. And... uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan and Selenid have actually both come in from time to time, stop in our 39.6, Victor's 39.6 community on Facebook. So they're always there uh, if you want to reach them. And then, of course, I'm going to link to where you can find them in the show notes. And, well, I hope you walk away asking yourself, what type of relationship 
do I have with my paycheck? Do I prioritize my spouse's interests and passions as much as my own or more? Do I believe having or wanting money makes me selfish? Am I doing things I think I cannot do? If not, when can I start? And what is the smartest financial decision I plan to make this year? And you can make it for the year 2021 because it's coming up. And you've got, you guys have, can look forward to the next, uh, I think, two or three episodes in December, the next two episodes in December being all on money mindset as well. So please stick with us. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming. Feel free to reach out to me on my face, my physician's Facebook group, Medicine, Marriage, and Money. Anybody can go to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money Facebook page or Instagram account. Um, and you can also schedule a coaching session with me if you are interested on medicinemarriageandmoney.com. So I love you guys so much. Please be free, spread your wings, fly, spread positivity and love wherever you go. Oh, one more thing. I forgot to mention Jordan just came out with, actually I'm looking at my email as I'm telling you this because he just emailed me about this. I did not know about this when we did this podcast episode. He just came out with a course composed of eight modules um, 10 downloadable guides, forms, templates, and one-on-one coaching session. So if you guys are interested in that, it is actually, it's a deal. It's currently offered for like $299. So if you're interested, I, he's going to give me a link and I'll include it in the show notes. Um, and you'll just see what, what he has to teach you. I'm sure it's awesome given the trajectory him and Selenid blasted their way through 2020, the end of his uh, plastic surgery, training into attending ship. Okay, thank you so much, guys. I'll see you soon. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.